Investors were so ready to put inflation worries aside, but the bears came roaring back in the August numbers. Where does this put the Fed, the economy, and the market? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of September 19th, 2022, a very happy Fed week to all of our listeners. It's a particularly angsty one, but we'll get to that later. Last week, the inflation data gave us a lot to digest up front. You said it, Lauren. Headline inflation in August, meaning the inflation that includes even volatile energy and food prices, was up 8.3% year on year. Technically lower than July's 8.5%, but stickier prices like rents and medical care rose by more in August than in July. That reversal in direction is what surprised the market. Ouch. Yeah, just a humble brag for our whole team for a second here. We were very much in the camp of one inflation print does not make a trend. I'm air quoting that. And we hadn't allocated according to the idea of inflation coming down. Now, that felt good when we got the August news. But the reality is that this inflation print is bad news bears. It is. And it's important that you pulled out core inflation, the inflation figure that takes out volatile energy and food prices, because factors moving up in core inflation are first, the ones the Fed's watching really closely, and second, the ones that are hardest to figure out in this pandemic. Say more about that, Lauren, because I feel like the the rent side of things in particular really defied forecaster expectations. It's true. So some of these stickier aspects of inflation, they're sticky because they're set for a fixed period. Things like rent, as you pointed out, are set for a year or maybe more. Insurance, similarly. So these stickier price elements are slower to change and incorporate a component of inflation expectations. And we know the Fed cares a lot about expectations. But expectations here are a bit elusive. It would be difficult, for example, to have a clear expectation around where rent prices are going when housing and hybrid work schedules and so many other post-pandemic changes have made this economic cycle different. So what you're saying, Lauren, is that there is a lot of uncertainty about the components of inflation, and that makes it difficult to say for sure that inflation will move quickly down from here. Another area where we see that is in the headline inflation numbers with energy prices. August numbers were a bit better than July's on this front, specifically because energy prices did fall like everyone's been hoping for. But winter is coming and the war in Ukraine is still ongoing. So markets might be a bit sanguine about energy price expectations ahead. That still leaves us with a big and very challenging question facing the economy and markets right now, which is... After so many months of erroneously hoping that inflation had peaked, has it peaked now? Oh boy, yeah, that is the that's the very tough question. And our team is still expecting the peak in inflation to happen this year. But first of all, that doesn't mean that price growth will fall or do so quickly from there. And second, as we've been discussing, there are still plenty of risks to that view, a global energy crisis being one of them. 
Yeah, and persistent price pressures are putting more pressure on the Fed as well to hike more aggressively. And it's Fed week, so we have to go there next. There's been a long gap between the last meeting and the next one coming up this Wednesday. And in that time, we've seen multiple inflation and jobs reports between them. So how have expectations changed? They've changed a fair amount. So prior to last week's inflation report, the market was expecting the Fed to deliver a 50 basis point hike. Now we're seeing calls even for 100 basis points. And even more importantly, potentially, is that what's happening in November and December in those meetings is now very much in question. So our base case for the past several weeks, even before the CPI print, was for a 75 basis point hike in September. That's right. So a a fairly sizable hike this month. And as you mentioned, perhaps more importantly, we and the market now expect a year end rate of four, four and a quarter percent with more hikes expected in 2023. So it's not just this meeting for which expectations changed, but lots of meetings ahead. And this reflects our general view of price stability primacy. The idea that the Fed's mandate to contain inflation supports these hawkish increases in interest rates, even though, and Chair Powell has been very clear about this, economic growth is starting to suffer. Yep. And that is a important and very convenient pivot point here in our conversation, Lauren, which is circling back to the economy itself. So the market sold off hugely on last week's inflation news, and that is quite consistent with the market narrative around higher inflation. That sort of stream of consciousness is that higher inflation leads to higher interest rates, which leads to slower economic activity, lower stock valuations, and lower bond prices. Yes. And the market reaction we've seen then, which was volatile to the downside in this circumstance, that reflects the fact that recession has become very, very likely. Let's come back to the bond and equity implications in the portfolio pause, but the market reaction also contained clues about economic growth expectations and really encapsulates just how much uncertainty is at play. So first, I want to point out that the yield curve, which is quite inverted and became more inverted after this inflation news, this means that short-term money costs costs more than long-term money. The issue here is that there's two ways to interpret that. So Julia, take a stab. All right. So you could say that a credible Fed is expected to contain inflation over, over time, or you could say that there are growth pressures weighing on yields as you go further out the curve. Yep. And another shift with growth implications was in the federal funds futures curve, aka expectations for what the policy rate will be in the future. And because the market had been implying a 50 basis point easing cycle in 2023, meaning we'd see all these interest rate hikes this year, but then next year, the Fed would be able to rein them in a little bit. That would imply that the Fed would have to reverse course and ease policy because growth was slowing at that point. But that would require inflation to come down too. Exactly. And so again, after this surprise inflation report, the market now expects hiking to continue later into 2023 and expects a smaller easing cycle of only 25 compared to 50 basis points by the end of next year. So that implies that even if economic growth slows, inflation might not be coming down by enough to allow the Fed to come off the brakes in any kind of quick timeline. That's a very, very difficult scenario for the Fed to be in. So so let me summarize all of that. You have a lot of great points in there. The growth outlook is slowing, though the recession timing and severity are still quite uncertain. And what seems to be rising in consensus is the idea of sticky inflation lasting longer into next year than previously expected. That's right. 
And all of that is consistent, really, though, with our own team's expectations of a 2023 recession. We're also seeing some structural reasons to expect moderately higher inflation for the medium term, maybe around that 4% level, which is consistent with the new sticky inflation case. So again, you know, Lauren, find me a silver lining here. Just anywhere, please. Well, I'd point to long-term inflation expectations as a potential silver lining because they remain low and anchored. This tells us that the Fed has so far maintained credibility that it would squash inflation over the medium term. I'm suspicious of how low one-year forward inflation expectations are, pointing to a 2.4% average inflation, which is quite a bit lower than they are right now, but that's a topic for another day. All right. So just one more question on this, Lauren. With recession risk rising, do you think the Fed is going too far? I think this is perhaps the most important question for everyday investors. And the reality is, is that none of us know exactly how this is going to pan out. And the Fed is very concerned about that every day. But with inflation so uncertain in all the near-term and long-term ways that we've described, the Fed has to look at what are the biggest risks ahead. So far, the Fed's been clear that the risk of inflation impacting households day-to-day for long periods of time, as has been the case over the course of this year, can be a greater risk even than recession in the near term. This takes us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And I know we've thrown a lot of what sounds like bad news at our listeners today, but last week's guest, Steve Cianci, says that the market actually provides us with opportunities on days like these and every day. Well, it doesn't always feel that way, but that's a little bit of a a comforting tone. I mean, something that's concerning me is that especially when inflation peaks, it's probably not a sign of good news. It probably signals recession. So it's hard to find pockets of good news in there. That's right. And the market volatility that we've seen in the last week very much reflects that line of thinking. However, the economy is not collapsing, even under the weight of all of this inflation, at least not yet. Corporate earnings and corporate margins have so far held up pretty well. The labor market, same story. That's not all bad news. That's fair. And we're not quite at the point of saying that inflation has peaked either. For the past many months, we've been sticking with our call to be short duration. And there was some pressure on that call when the July inflation print was cooler than expected. But we stuck with it. And with the yield curve now becoming so severely inverted, there's probably cause for us to stay with it for the next several months. Because when the short end of the curve is moving upward and giving you more yield than the intermediate part of the curve, there's quite little incentive to go for those longer tenors that have more interest rate risk. The other part of that thesis goes back to the basics, which is that core bonds and cash do not protect the value of a dollar when inflation is so high. We know this market environment feels recessionary, but if history is anything to go by, these market environments tend to be shorter than bull markets. And unless you can perfectly time the market, which it's very difficult, then for most investors, it makes the most sense to stay invested in order to capture both days of recovery and investment income like dividends and coupons. Coming up next, we'll be talking to Carlos Garcia Tunon next week. Carlos manages an international equity portfolio at Mackay Shield, so he'll be talking about Europe, Japan, and the home court bias of U.S. investors. 
But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.